Welcome to Whole and Holy, the Bethel Seminary podcast. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the Dean of Bethel Seminary. And for this episode, I'm privileged to introduce my guest, Dr. Tina Watson-Weens, who is the uh, program director and professor, assistant professor of marriage and family therapy at Bethel Seminary. So welcome, Tina, to this podcast. Thank you, Peter. It's so great to have you here. We are going to be talking today, our, the title of this podcast is Social Media and Relationship Health. So I want to just dive right in and, mm-hmm. and ask the question about social media. We've all heard that social media presents lots of challenges for us as a society. I read articles and things where it talks about social media is blamed for diminished attention spans and mm-hmm. our inability to read articles, things things like that, anything of, of any length or substance. Yeah. Apparently anything more than 280 characters on, mm-hmm. on Twitter is the, is we're uh, unable to do now. <laughs> but one question that comes up is how does social media, how does that affect our relationships? What's, what's mm-hmm. the effect on social media mm-hmm. in terms of our relationships? Yeah. So I would agree with you. The The studies are showing now that social media does have some negative impacts. It also has positive impacts. But some of the negative ones are what you mentioned, the uh, shortened attention span. It feeds this need for instant gratification. Um, it tends to reduce communication inhibitions, which can um, sometimes be helpful, but many times it's not. And these high levels of social media use are linked with uh, high levels of depression and feelings of isolation. Um, and mental health issues and social isolation are really at epidemic levels right now with young adults. So this is pretty standard with all the studies that are out there. Um, and you're right, it affects relationships, not only our current relationships, but it affects our ability to create new relationships. And Oh, can I just mm-hmm. jump in for a second sure. before we go too far? I want to ask the question. So in some ways, it seems a little counterintuitive that we can connect with people from our past, from you know, distant relationships. We don't have to be in the same city. We don't have to be mm-hmm. in the same room with somebody. Right. We can connect with them. So yet we're feeling more isolated than mm-hmm. ever. Why Why is that? Well, the uh, the studies right now only show show a correlation. They do not show causation. So it's kind of the chicken and the egg question. So um, they're not quite sure if it's that people who are feeling isolated spend more time on social media because they're feeling isolated, or if it's the other way around. Hmm. If the more time we spend on social media, that results in feelings of isolation. They're not quite sure. So we don't have a correlation yet. That will still be yet. Uh, to be determined through studies, but there is a definite correlation. Okay. So higher usage of social social media also show higher levels of depression and isolation. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's really there. Yeah. Interesting. And I I don't want to derail us there, but also you said something that I thought was interesting about the lack of inhibitions in in communication. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. You... You see people saying things, uh, maybe making comments, that sort of thing that almost certainly they wouldn't make if they were face-to-face right. in the room with someone. Yes. 
Um, but you're saying that the studies are saying that's that's kind of translating over into interpersonal face-to-face relationships as well. It can, yes. And that has to do with the neural pathways that are developed in our brain. So if we are continuing to develop these neural pathways and spending more and more time with our brain kind of functioning with these lower inhibitions that somehow it's okay for me to be able to just say what I want when I want Hmm. um, and not be aware of its impact on other people, not be aware of the relational effects that it's having. It strengthens those neural pathways. And so that Hmm. can carry over into other areas of life. Wow. Into the real areas of our life. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So what are some of the other um, negative possible impacts of social media on, on relationship mm-hmm. health? So, so what we see through research is that a high level of social media use is associated with negative relationship outcomes. So all the outcomes that we measure for relationships, they are more negative than couples who don't spend as much time on me, on social media. So hmm. again, there's a correlation there. Not saying that it's causal, sure. but there's definitely a correlation. Um, some of the things that are specifically connected to social media within couple conflict are issues of jealousy, persistent surveillance of one another's social media accounts, and one or both partners sharing too much information Hmm. to where the sense of uniqueness and specialness and intimacy that for most people is an expectation of an intimate couple relationship, that those boundaries start to get deteriorated Hmm. to where um, everybody else on social media is finding out you got a promotion before I did. Wow. Everybody on social media is finding out this about you before I did. Hmm. Or um, that conversation was just between you and me. And so there's a... Uh, a real strong connection that's being shown through studies that the sense of this unique, special, private bond between couples um, doesn't exist so much in social media with some couples, hmm. not all couples. Yeah. Well, I guess it makes sense. I mean, I, I think there's a certainly a, a tendency to you, you post on social media and you're sharing with some people who are family members, closer in relationships, some are mere acquaintances, mm-hmm. but everybody's the same at that point. Right. So I, I, right. I guess that does make yeah. that does make sense. Yeah. Is there any research that points to uh, if if both couples are more or less equally involved in social media, does that tend to lessen the impact of it? Is it worse if one person is more involved than the other? Anything like that? Well, what the studies show is that the amount of time that is spent on social media tends to be a real issue for couples. Hmm. So um, I, I wouldn't be able to speak to if, if, let's say, if both partners are using it two hours a day or both partners are using it 30 minutes a day, Mm -hmm. if there's a difference there. Mm -hmm. Um, What I can tell you is that when they look at individual studies, there is a big difference that shows up for the amount of time that you spend 
okay. on social media platforms. And so for people who spend two hours or more a day on social media platforms, they are twice as likely as those who don't to have symptoms, increased symptoms of depression and social isolation. Hmm. Those who spend 30 minutes or less tend to have really no negative effects at all hmm. from, social me- from their time on social media. Hmm. Those who visit social media platforms 58 times per week, which may sound like a lot is one number, but that's only like eight to nine times a day. Hmm. Um, people who are on social media at that level have three times as much. Wow. Um, reports of depression and social isolation. So there is what looks like this significant growth. Once you kind of move over a certain threshold of what might be considered excessive use, Hmm. we start to see really negative symptoms for people. Wow. Now, in regard to your question about couples, um, so the research does show, though, that time that people use is what causes a lot of conflict. Okay. So, and and this is what's interesting about social media. Like so many other issues, it's a very contextual, is very nuanced. It's going to be different for one person than another, for one couple than another. And so, what might be excessive use for one couple may not be for another couple. Um, so, it's it's how the people inside the couple relationship are viewing one another's social media time or online time that has the potential for conflict. That makes sense. Is there any, can you think of any analog to this? Uh, you know, I think about when you know, TV became a, a sort of center of, of our lives in, mm-hmm. in many respects. That mm-hmm. was a shift from radio. Radio, when it came in, was a shift from, you know, time in the parlor with as a family, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, of course, that was not in our lifetimes and <laughs> in a much more distant time. But it seems like this is unique. Uh, is, can you think of any analogs or anything like that where, where we've kind of faced something like this? Or, or do you think this is truly something new? There might be some parallels, but, but is this something new? And the, the, the dangers and opportunities are, are really unique. You know, Peter, um, what I think could possibly be the something new about this is that this, this tends to be an activity that can be done by yourself in a crowd. You know, mm. it's it's that that dynamic of we can have five fim- family members sitting in a room together, but all of them on their individual devices. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think there was there's something different with everybody watching a movie together, sure. everybody watching a show together, listening to a program together, where there was still that communal aspect with those with whom you're in the room. Mm-hmm. This is a little different. Yeah. This this really can be done without any relational energy to those with whom you're sharing space. And I think that that could be the unique difference in why we're feeling this differently than we have other transition points throughout history. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Well, as we think about this and, you know, what are the, the challenges represented by it and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, what, 
you know, it's a it's a sobering thing what you've shared. You know, the statistics about the the effects on it and uh, how how it affects relationships, that sort of thing. May I offer oh. a happier note? Then? Oh, please. Yeah. So, <laughs> I like happy uh, so, notes here too. So what we're what we're also seeing is that social media does have the potential to um, kind of expound upon what is already existing in the relationship. So if the relationship is healthy, Mm -hmm. if a relationship has good boundaries, good communication, uh, positive energy that's happening there, social media can be one additional venue for that goodness Mm. to be transferred. Okay. So, so, um, in my perspective, social media, we could think about it as something that kind of exaggerates pre-existing conditions mm. within relationships. Uh, because they do, they do see that with social media platforms, uh, people who are generous to one another, people who give compliments to one another, uh, people who celebrate their love for their partners and for their family members um, on their platform for everybody to see can can really bolster some of that goodness mm. within families and communities. So it's it's one of those things that when I'm working with families myself, that whatever dynamics tend to be present in the family, you're going to see those alive and well, maybe even a little more so in their online use, their social media platforms. So, um, so there are ways that it can be used in really beautiful, helpful, relationally geared ways. Great. Well, thanks for that positive yeah. note yeah. in the midst of But for of those this. who are struggling, it tends to exacerbate the issues. Yeah. So if jealousy is already in the relationship, oh, your social media time is probably going to make it even worse. Sure. If boundaries are loose in your relationship, you're probably going to see all sorts of inappropriate things happening mm. um, online. So it tends to just exacerbate what's already there. Yeah. Well, I loved what you said. It, the pre-existing conditions are going to mm-hmm. be are going to be exacerbated or or reinforced. Yeah. Now, that's, tend to be. You know, I'm speaking sure. in generalizations, but sure. generally, that's what we see. Yep, that makes sense. Well, in light of that, so we think about the challenge. I mean, like so many things, I don't think social media is going to go away. And right. and part of the mm-hmm. challenge in this world is that, in some respects, it it becomes almost a necessary evil. At least that's how I sometimes think of it. Mm -hmm. I don't do a whole lot with social media, though I am on it. But I was a pastor before I was the dean, between being a professor and and dean. And when I was pastoring a church, the church had to have a a Facebook page. That was how we present ourselves to the the world in many Mm -hmm. respects. I know some churches who don't even have a website. They just have a, a Facebook page. So, But many churches will have both a Facebook page and a website, that's how you people check churches out online before right. they come in and visit. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be administering a Facebook page, you have to have a Facebook page. So it doesn't mean you have to do it a whole lot, but you have to at least be on Facebook, right. say. Yes. So it's not going away, and, and it does offer some opportunities to connect. What would be some ways that you could recommend, particularly you know, for our lister, listeners who are pastors or ministry leaders, uh, folks therapists who are are helping people, how can we constructively address these 
challenges to to relationship health. I mean, certainly we've got to, we mm-hmm. want to foster good, healthy relationships among people in our churches. Right. And h- how do we do that in light of these realities that you're mm-hmm. describing? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, one thing to just kind of continue on from the point that we just made, this sense of helping families and individuals and couples really pour into their real-life relationships. Um, so if we look at this from the lens that social media in general uh, tends to just emphasize our pre-existing dynamics and conditions, then one thing we can do is to continue to strengthen those relationships. So helping families figure out what good boundaries look like, sound like, feel like, uh, paying attention to our relationships, uh, growing in our connection with one another. So some of those basic relational concepts, Mm. I think, help to safeguard Mm -hmm. um, around this. Uh, Something else that I have found that people in my own life, uh, clients and students that I work with, um, are really enjoying kind of what's called um, these social media-free vacations, Mm -hmm. where you actually get away from social media for a while. And um, several, I think several churches and faith communities around the Twin Cities even host like device-free events, Mm. where specifically for couples, parents, and children to actually come and engage in activities where devices are not used, they're not necessary, and in fact, it's encouraged to put them away for a few hours Mm -hmm. and engage um, in those ways. Um, And another thing is, I think, to remember that human beings are inherently social creatures, and God truly has designed us um, with a relational essence to who we are, that it truly um, is who we are, that we are people in relationships. And being able to figure out how to optimize our face-to-face interactions in relationships, Mm. kind of what the Gottman Institute um, has coined bids for connection. Hmm. And bids for connection is when one person just kind of puts something out there that requires some type of a response, um, some type of a turning toward the other. And the research that the Gottman Institute does uh, shows that successful relationships, those who are in successful relationships actually respond turn toward these bids for connection Hmm. 86% of the time. Hmm. So that's kind of about what it takes for relationships um, to kind of be in that good zone. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do that when you have a phone in your hand all the time to turn toward one another and answer those bids for connection. Uh, But it really needs to be done about 86% of the time in order for relationships to kind of fall into that healthy category. Um, And... Uh, I have uh, had some information on here that I just thought this was interesting as um, if pastors are wondering, would it be worth it to encourage our folks to do uh, some 
time away from social media, here's what research shows just about everybody reports. So okay. if they're off social media, even for just a little bit, like a few days, people sleep better, they feel less irritated, and surprise, surprise, they have more time. Hmm. It's, and uh, <laughs> like there, was, there was one report where uh, somebody had written in that when she got off social media, she felt like a genius because she actually got her work done <laughs> three hours earlier than she usually did. And wow. she said it was kind of shocking to think that maybe she was spending three hours a day during her work time hmm. on social media. Yeah. And then she cut it out for a few days, and all of a sudden she can leave work early. She has all this time. Wow. Uh, so, so interesting things. And when people take a break from social media, they tend to connect with real people, hmm. and they re-engage hobbies and passions and pastime activities which is one of the things that tends to go on the wayside when people are using social media at high levels. Tina, it's almost like you're suggesting there's a difference between, uh, you know, reading about your hobby on social media and actually doing it in, in real life. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's, that's weird. That's true. And, you know, on that point, there, there are some interesting studies that are looking at how people do uh, vacations now hmm. and that people spend more time during their vacation, trying to get the perfect photo, <laughs> posting it, uh -huh. um, and arranging all of these um, activities and beautiful moments just to post them. And they spend less time actually doing what they said they were going to do on vacation. Wow. So, so those are in just... Yeah. quirky studies to look at that people go on vacation and spend more time hmm. managing their social media <laughs> than they do actually what they had intended to do on vacation. Yeah. Well, there is a difference, though. I mean, I as the parent of five kids, I go to lots of events, and there are times where we want to videotape something. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I have noticed is that I experience that event differently when I'm recording it than if I'm just watching oh, it. Oh, same for me. And yes. And so sometimes we don't yeah. record those things because it's like, no, I want to I want to actually be here in the moment, not be recording it. I, I know, I've had that. that same experience when when I'm watching something through my phone, yep. watching my kid through my phone, it feels very different. Hmm. than if I'm not. If yeah. that if the phone is not in between myself and where my child is, I agree with you, it's a whole different experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well it sounds like there's not a you know list of ten steps that we can say this is what churches need to be doing, but if I'm hearing you right there, there needs yeah. to be intentionality about it. Yes. Thinking yes. about it. Yes. I would wholeheartedly support that. That if um, or I would say, I believe that it is a worthy mission for the leaders of our faith communities to actually speak to this issue, mm -hmm. to let families know that they're not alone in this. 
many families, many individuals, many couples are struggling with how do I hold the balance of the reality that so much of life happens on social media? Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there are some crazy things that go along with that. There yeah. are you know, a bunch of things that are connected to social media that in some ways it creates a, a whole lot more work mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for the leaders of our faith communities to be able to speak to folks, letting them know you're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. This is a very real dynamic that's happening in our society. It has both pros and cons to it. There's Mm -hmm. a beautiful side to social media, and there's a dark side Mm. to social media. And so how can we be wise about discerning that? How can uh, the faith community be a place where you can come and share what's going on, Mm -hmm. where we can provide support for one another, where we can offer opportunities for families and couples to actually escape? Hmm. Their devices for a few hours. Um, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent. We were even just laughing earlier today how we can say something to our kids <laughs> and it just goes right over, you know, right through them. And then somebody else says it and they think that person's brilliant. Right. And so that same dynamic that sometimes it can be really hard to break those patterns in your own home. Yeah. But If you go to another location and someone else is saying, this is a device-free zone, Mm -hmm. we want you to actually look at each other, Mm -hmm. talk to each other, laugh with each other, Mm -hmm. healthy touch with each other, we hear it a little differently. It's it's a little differently. And so for faith communities to possibly offer those types of avenues, um, but you're right, there are some, some videos out on TED Talk. There are some books that are out there that can give people some ideas, but there is no formula mm-hmm. that's going to work for everybody. Hmm. You know, it, it occurs to me as we're talking here, um, and we don't have a lot of time left, but mm-hmm. uh, just to raise the question, we've, we've been talking about relationship health, and at least in my mind, I've been conceiving of it, of it primarily as sort of couples, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking too about parent-child relationships yes. are certainly going to be affected by this yes. as well. And a lot of the same principles yes. are likely to be the mm-hmm. case. Is that, am I yes, right Yes, I would say the same principles are there. And in some respects, the parent-child relationship um, is even going to be a bit more urgent mm. in that... Uh, uh, Hopefully, you know, we hope in couple relationships, there's kind of an even power dynamic Mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. With parent-child, there isn't. Sure. Uh, Children are in true need Mm -hmm. of their parent to mirror back to them what it means to be a human. Mm -hmm. So, and there, there are some studies that are showing that our children are really suffering because they are not getting that face-to-face contact and interaction that we know is utterly essential hmm. for human development. Our littlest ones are not getting enough of it. Wow. Not getting enough. From ages zero to five is kind of what we consider the crucial formative years. And that's when kids need face-to-face mirroring Hmm. from healthy adults to let them know 
you matter. Mm-hmm. You you um, are in this world for a reason and a purpose. Mm-hmm. We care about you. You're not alone. Your thoughts and your feelings are significant. Mm. All of that happens in those first five years, and it all comes through face-to-face relationships. And so, yes, I would say the parent-child and the way um, technology is creating more space there um, is... Dicey. <laughs> well, yeah. Wow, that's that's great. Well, you have mentioned some some resources. Uh, I'll post yes. in the show notes any anything that you would recommend that our listeners might want to check out. You mentioned some TED talks, perhaps, or yes. or some resources. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll post those in the show notes. Great. And uh, unfortunately, our time is just about up. But thank you so much for being a part of this this episode and for for sharing with us about. Uh, social media and relationship health. I really appreciate it. This is You're fascinating. You're welcome, Peter. My pleasure. And I hope we can get you back on here another time to talk about other, other aspects of, of things. Love to have, Love you, have you back. Well, thank you for listening to Whole and Holy, the Bethel Seminary podcast. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can email us at holy at bethel.edu. Again, that's holy at Bethel.edu. We'd love to hear from you with any suggestions you have about topics you'd like to hear or any comments, anything you'd like to share with us about the podcast. And if you would subscribe to this podcast at iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your, your podcasts, we would really appreciate that. Please plan to look for future episodes. We're in the coming episodes. We're going to have uh, Dr. John Dunn talking about what's new in New Testament studies, as well as uh, our human resource director, Kara Wald, talking about terminations and hiring in churches and how to avoid getting into trouble. So I hope you'll plan to listen to those. Thanks very much for listening. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. This podcast is a production of Bethel Seminary in collaboration with Bethel University's Office of Church Relations. Please share your feedback with us, including ideas you'd like to see in future episodes, by emailing us at wholeandholy at bethel.edu. Once again, that address is wholeandholy at bethel.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.